Hello, everyone. Welcome to Sounds from the Studio, brought to you by Contemporary Craft. Contemporary Craft fosters the use of traditional craft materials such as ceramic, fiber, glass, metal, and wood to make art. Our community honors the history and heritage of craft while showcasing modern, exploratory work. And since our organization is located in Pittsburgh, PA, we decided to bring some of the stories of our exhibiting and studio artists to a broader audience by way of this podcast. I'm Rachel, the Executive Director at Contemporary Craft. And I'm Camila, a podcaster and art enthusiast. We are your hosts for this journey, and there are many ways to keep up with us. You can go to the Facebook page and like it, Contemporary Craft, on Twitter at SCCPGH, Instagram at SCCPGH, or just go to ContemporaryCraft.org. And find us wherever you get your podcasts. We just ask that you please follow, rate, and review, and also share, share, share alike. It's a busy time for us at Contemporary Craft, but the holidays always present moments to reflect on gratitude for everyone in our community and the work that we're doing together. One of the ways that we celebrate the season and the artists that make up the field of craft is with the kickoff event that we like to call Crafted. This year, we worked with Penn Fairmont at the Pittsburgh Glass Center to produce a line of drinkware that's going to be exclusive for Contemporary Craft, and it's going to launch the event. And we also partnered with ceramic and glass artists from around the country beyond those that we normally carry, to curate three to five pieces from them to showcase at this event in our store. This is one of the most festive times of the year, and I personally love the opportunity to be introduced to new artists and love to see the joy that exists in someone's face when they connect with an object that lights up their eyes for the first time, either for themselves or as a gift. We hope you're going to join us for when Crafted opens on November 18th from 5.30 to 8 o'clock p.m. There's info about it with tickets available on our website. So if you all are looking for some really unique and creative Christmas gifts or holiday gifts or any other kind of like Tuesday gifts for your friends and family and their loved ones, you should definitely check it out. But until then, we are honored to talk to Tarane. Welcome to Sounds of the Studio. How are you today? I'm doing really well. It's good to be here. Thanks for having me. Yeah, so you were like in the middle of your artist in residency program? Yeah, getting towards the end a little bit. Yeah, so the, the, it's exciting, but there's also like this added layer of like, oh my gosh, what day is it? How much time do I have? <laughs> so that's starting to creep in a little bit. <laughs> yeah, that's going to be a little, that's to be expected, but you know, I'm, you, my dear, are a professional, and I know that you will, and you you put you you amaze and <laughs> all the things oh, that you do. Oh, thank you, <laughs> thank you for that. I'm gonna have to put a sticker near near my sewing machine. I am a professional. I need to remember that. <laughs> I think I think we could all do well with that. <laughs> Tierney, I am so excited and honored that you're spending time with us today. Uh, you know, I've really enjoyed our previous working relationships. And as you know, I admire you just as a person and artist, you know, really beyond words. So um, thank you for the trust you've extended to us at Contemporary Craft and this partnership and to us today to talk with us. So um, before we really dive into the residency, I was thinking it might be nice if we could set the stage for people that are joining us that might not know you or anything about your practice. Um, you have an incredible commitment to sustainability and your work is really you know, situated at a global focus. So would you be willing to just kind of share with people a little bit about yourself, Adia Dega, and what you do both you know, 
as a solo artist and in collaboration. Yeah, thanks so much, Rachel. And um, yeah, I'm just so honored to be an artist in residence here at Contemporary Craft. Um, I know that I just feel like if you, specifically Rachel, if you ask me to do something, I'm going to say yes and then figure out the details later. <laughs> Thank you. Um, I'll take advantage of that. <laughs> <laughs> yes, exactly. Um, but yeah, you know, it's funny because I started off no like loving fashion as a little kid and mainly loving fashion in movies and cinema and really loving like the gold quote unquote golden age the 1940s and 50s and seeing Dorothy Dandridge and Ingrid Bergman and Audrey Hepburn and Katherine Hepburn and I love the way that the clothing um, gave insight into the who the person was or who the character was so to me clothing was always connected to the life the life that people were leading in the clothes that they were wearing um, like Coco Chanel says, look, look for the woman in the dress. Without the woman, there is no dress. So the idea that as much as I care about the clothing and making clothes, it's the life that people are living, the experiences that they're having, the kind of joys and wishes and dreams that, 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 that as they get dressed is the thing that I really love. You know, I'm putting on this suit because I'm going to this event or I'm wearing this dress because I want to impress, or this is my lucky tie, whatever it is, you know, clothing is so fundamental to who we are as human beings. And arguably, I think it's the first art, the first craft that humans created was adorning the body, whether it was taking a flower and sticking it behind your ear or taking um, mud and, and drawing things on your body. Uh, I just feel like that, that will to adorn ourselves is something that's so fundamental to being um, human. Um, so that's something that it took me a while to want to commit to that as a job or as a career because I wasn't really sure. I loved how clothes looked, but I wasn't sure what the fashion industry was about or how clothes were made. Um, but at one point I decided um, to go back to graduate school and I won a fellowship to study overseas. I went to Kenya and I studied at Kenyatta University, and it was there that I saw um, the real impact of the climate crisis in a way that I hadn't seen in the U.S. Uh, things like um, there were famine relief um, projects that, that I worked on through the Rotary Foundation, which is how I got the fellowship. Um, so because community service was part of the graduate school experience, having gone through the Rotary Foundation, um, I was kind of trying to figure out, well, why, if I'm going into grocery stores and there's tons of food, why are there parts of the country where there are people who can't have, don't have enough food to eat? And a lot of it had to do with the agricultural cycles changing because of the climate crisis. Um, and so then just kind of seeing that, I realized that if I'm going to make anything new, it has to be sustainable. And then I met organic cotton farmer, in Kenya, who was really nervous about switching from the traditional kind of pesticide-laden um, process of growing cotton um, to an organic process. Um, he's like, I don't know if people are going to buy my <laughs> organic cotton. You know, I have families that are dependent on this farm succeeding. And then I just thought, well, you know, I'm going to buy organic cotton. I'm going to use only sustainable materials. 
Um, and it's something that this was 2000, I guess I finished grad school in 2007. Um, so it just felt like it, the only way to make something new is to make it sustainable. Otherwise, I didn't want to contribute to the mess. Uh, and the fashion industry, unfortunately, um, is one of the leading polluters um, in the world. Um, I think last uh, when I look at research, it's the second leading polluting industry, second only to, to, to the petroleum industry. Um, and so you have... You have them polluting water. You have in so many different ways because in the in the making of the materials and and fabric, it can be pesticide laden and harmful. In the dyeing of the materials, it can be harmful. Unfortunately, a lot of people, mainly women, are underpaid um, as a result. Uh, underpaid in the fa- in the fashion industry. There's child labor. There's all these issues of real. Um, really um, unjust in in, in inhumane ways that clothes are made. So um, oftentimes, I think, especially now, because we're a generation or two away from everyone having a sewing machine in their house and their aunt or their grandmother or their uncle as sewing, you know, growing up, everyone, all, everyone in my family, all the adult women basically sewed. Um, and there's sewing machines abound, and there, even just buying fabric was easy. You can just walk downtown and go to Woolworths and buy fabric and patterns, and all of that kind of has disappeared because you can buy a really inexpensive dress for ten dollars or twenty dollars. Um, as someone who buys fabric, you know there's very few fabrics that are that inexpensive. So to imagine that a mass-produced garment costs ten, fifteen, twenty dollars in a store means that someone's really getting harmed mm. to make that garment. And that is the planet, that is the people making it. And so it's not a question of don't buy inexpensive clothes so much as it's a question of can we figure out a way to make it um, maybe buy less, um, maybe recycle, look at vintage and things like that. But it all, it became something that as for, for me, fundamentally, it just had to be something sustainable or else. I didn't want to, I didn't want to make it. I really admire your commitment to um, educating yourself and making sure you know every aspect of this industry and like how, you know, from how everything is getting made to like what they're using and who is making it and where it's going and all of that. That's, you know, it's, it's, it's a wonderful quality of yours that I've always admired. (laughs) Oh, thank you. Well, it's funny, you know, it's, it's one of those things where I think, because people don't people don't know how clothes are made anymore. Right. It's it becomes kind of a mystery. And there's something there is something really nice about buying a really beautiful dress and it's really inexpensive and you know, you can feel great wearing it. Um, but I also know that because of what I'm doing, education is part of that. So whether it's a sustainable element of it or talking about the indigenous artisans that, that I work with and talking about indigenous technology and innovation and using those words to describe it because that's what it is where people kind of can sometimes think well this is something that's um lower skilled or things like that where that just isn't the truth it's highly skilled and it's um, something that's that's important and in order to i think get people to understand the why of it i have to know what's going on Otherwise, it gets easy to kind of dismiss it because consuming 
is kind of it seems like the first job of the of the American citizenry, right? So um, it just it's more of an example. It's for me. I just want people to be able to be thoughtful, and when they can make a choice that's going to be beneficial rather than harmful. Um, it's not something that it's more like there's a whole continuum of actions, and how can you push yourself down the 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 the, the continuum that's going to be the most regenerative, the most healthy, the most caring. Um, and not every decision that we make is going to be that way, but as often as we can, um, we can try. And Tarana, you talked a, like, a little bit, you touched on um, your collaboration with like Indigenous women. Um, can you share with, with uh, the listeners a little bit about the projects that you've done with the Maasai women? Yeah, so um, because I went to school in Kenya, I was really interested in the indigenous communities of East Africa and in Kenya in particular. Um, so I started working with a group of women from a community called Alogazali uh, in Kenya. And it's a community of about 500 Maasai. Um, they live very traditional way, um, about two hours south of Nairobi. They don't have electricity. They don't have running water. Um, but it's a very vibrant, thriving community of people. Uh, the women gather daily, um, they meet, they, they bead, um, and they work and, and they attempt to sell their work to tourists who are visiting um, an adjacent um, archaeological site, um, the Ologasali National. And um, Smithsonian, I believe National Geographic and other people have done studies, um, research, as well as documentaries about that area. And I believe the United Nations named Ologazali one of the key um, environmental tourist locations um, in the world uh, last year, I think it was. Um, so, and they actually mentioned the beadwork and the craftsmanship of the women artisans there, which I thought was really cool. Um, but of course, with the pandemic, um, the... The, attention, the, the tourism has dropped significantly, so they are in the process of trying to figure out a way to be more sustainable and to be able to be more self-sustaining. Self, um, self, self so part of what we did this year, up until this year, we had been focusing primarily on clothing and jewelry and accessories and also working with women from the Oneida Indian Nation of New York a family called the, um, their, their, their jewelry line is called the Beading Wolves. And they use the same exact size beads, which is really cool because we were able to collaborate and incorporate both the Maasai and Oneida beadwork and some of the earlier work. But this year we turned to renewable energy. So applying the same principles of um, indigenous innovation and design to renewable energy. And we were able to install about 33 solar lights um, in, around the community. Uh, we we uh, beaded 38 uh, solar kits, so each family received a solar kit in the house, which include light bulbs, a way to charge their phones, and we created a series of wearable um, solar, solar products. He headlamps, bracelet, flashlights, solar charging, phone pouch, necklace, <laughs> um, things that kind of incorporated the Maasai design elements uh, that they wear, but with solar power. And we did a solar 
we did solar training where we learned how to make so at put the solar components together, and we were soldering and we were um, designing together. Um, so that that was really fa- that was really fantastic, and we're hoping to um, bring some of the Maasai women to Pittsburgh next year in 2023 so that they can um, do we we can do the same thing in Pittsburgh but using kind of Pittsburgh cultural touch points to kind of decide what kind of solar shared and solar where that we can create oh wow yeah I mean thank you so much for all of that background I know like it's so much more beyond really what we're going to talk about with your residency today but you know I think it's one of those things that you just do such incredible work that is so intentional and you know when you put the word like global on things you know i don't think people necessarily recognize or understand sometimes the degree to which like it's really part of your prop like your practice Mm -hmm. and you know people might know you of like your fashion and your garments and your adornments and how beautiful they are but i just wanted to make sure that everyone had a full picture of like who is terene before (laughs) we get into um the residency so thank you for being willing to share all that thanks so much (laughs) <laughs> so, yeah, so speaking of the residency, um, I don't know which one of you would like to explain what it is and then we can get into. <laughs> I'll turn in. <laughs> it, it was so, it's so funny. I mean, literally, it came up with, Rachel was like, hey, I have this idea. Maybe, uh, I'm, I'm not sure what, what, what it would look like, but maybe you want to do a residency here. And I was like, of course, if it's Rachel, I'm going to say yes. And then I figured out. Well, figure out how afterwards. So right. I was like, yeah. And then I was like, what can I do? What can I do? And then this, I just thought, you know, I love, I love being black. You know, I'm from Amen. Pittsburgh. Black, you know, I'm like, what is one of the things that, like, the thing that I love so much is kind of understanding the the importance of African American history in this region but how it's so easily overlooked and not talked about. And so I thought about um, kind of like my love of fashion having to do with people and having to do with the stories and the lives that they led. So I thought, well, why don't I do something relating to clothing and Black Pittsburgh? And then through the course of this conversation and thinking about it, I thought, well, contemporary craft is two C's. So then why don't I do C, three C's, cloth, community, and culture, exploring a thousand years of black Pittsburgh history through wow. clothing. Wow. And so I'm starting in the 1500s or 1500s or 1400s, depending on which, which website you look at, in what is now modern day northern Nigeria and taking it up to the year 3000 in, wow. the year, in, in, in Pittsburgh. And I'm doing uh, 15 vignettes of 15 stories um, of people who are going to be representing different moments of history from the 1500s in West Africa up to the year 3000 in Pittsburgh. Um, And so in doing that, I'm also doing a lot of research um, and 
trying not to get too far down rabbit holes because um, <laughs> I could spend the whole time just doing research. Right. A friend of mine came for a studio visit a week or two ago. He was like, how many years do you have for this project? I was like, two more months. <laughs> That's how many years, 60 some days. So, <laughs> But um, yeah, so I, I, I'm, what I... And what I've thought about a lot is just like the emotional, uh, the, like the emotions that come up, you know, because hmm. sometimes I'm reading something and I'm laughing and it's really cool. Sometimes I'm reading something and I'm crying because um, there's all these different, I mean, we've contributed to every aspect of Pittsburgh's history before it was even Pittsburgh. Um, there were black soldiers um, at what was Fort Duquesne, and you know, and created Fort Pitt. There were communities of black folks at Fort Pitt. There were free. There there were free blacks. There were enslaved Africans. There were there were black Mohawks. There was a black Mohawk soldier that fought in 1755 for the French. Um, he was here in Pittsburgh, you know, even though he's from New York, there's, it is just so much, there's so much information. Um, I picked northern Nigeria, um, the Hausa people, because the Hausa were iron workers and metalsmiths, and Queen Amina loved um, her, her armor and her swords. <laughs> and so, um, you know, I'm actually spending some time making, um, doing chainmail for the first time in my life um, to make kind of a part of a breastplate for her um, to wear for her outfit because I wanted to showcase that that uh, that heritage of, of, of metalsmithing. It's awesome to add new skills to your repertoire. <laughs> I have added so many skills. It's like I've had to stop taking workshops because every time I saw a workshop, I was like, oh, I want to make this thing. So I'm going to take this workshop and literally like enameling, metalsmithing, chain, make link. I mean, like weaving, like everything, dyeing, natural dyes. Like it's like, oh, wait, I need to make this thing. I need to take this class. So I was—I can't remember who I was talking to. I was just like, "This is the best place to have a residency because if you don't know how to do something, there's going to be a workshop to teach you." That's how awesome. to do it. You know what? I am—I am so glad to hear you say that because I mean, that's just—that's like part of the thing, right? Like whenever we started having this discussion with each other, it was really about like, you know, how do we start to open up our space and provide resources to artists and and through these residencies in a way that's different beyond just like you know here's the physical space but like how do we bring the craft community like to the artist and then back and forth you know like reciprocal so like i'm i'm so happy like it's been so wonderful to see this unfold and it feels like oh there's like some validity in like how we can do this moving forward um so again i mean just thank you for your willingness to kind of like dive in and figure out what would it look like for for an artist to be in this space and kind of dive in and i'm i'm actually really curious because i know you've taken so many workshops like how has it felt adding those to your practice and are there things that you think you'll carry on with you beyond this residency yeah definitely i mean i've it it it's been okay i want to make sure i say this in a way that doesn't sound i don't even know it's gonna sound it's gonna sound silly but it's okay i feel like as 
my skills are being honed in what I do with the design work and the sewing and the cloth and the things that I'm more comfortable with. Um, like learning other skills is helping me being, be a better designer. Like the things that I know how to do, I'm getting better at because I'm learning all these other skills. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And like starting off f- scratch and being like a baby metalsmither who's just like, <laughs> I am afraid of the fire. And then like one day, and then the next time the next workshop comes up, it's like, I'm going to make a necklace that requires 30 solder points. <laughs> because I was scared to make the first one. So now I'm going to make 30 in a row. You know? <laughs> like, There's got to be something you know, so badass about that. I mean, I, I, I personally, like, I feel like it's like, yeah. I, <laughs> it does. It feels so cool. And then, like, making mistakes or, like, getting frustrated or, like, you know, wanting to, wanting to, like, finish something because this is going to be, say, a a brooch that's in honor of the uh, the father that died. But then at the same time, like this play where it's like, I don't know what I'm doing. I just want to learn the skill. We're just going to have fun. So just the whole wide range of like play and process and just letting, letting it all just kind of happen um, and enjoying the, enjoying it. Because there are times when I, like, I'm reading about an enslaved African, and it's horrific. And so to be able to have a sense of, um, I'm honoring my ancestors, I'm trying to tell their stories in ways that haven't been told before, but I also am a person that, you know, I can't be stuck in sadness. So being able to be like, I'm just going to file my ring a little bit, this ring that I made, you know, um, it doesn't fit right, but guess what? I can just go to this other studio and I can file it. Or I wanted to make, um, a part of like a, a fob on a chain to bore for, for someone who's wearing, um, a zoot suit that, that I made. And I was like, Oh, I have wire. Oh, I have some soldering. Oh, I can just make it. I can make it myself. And I went in there and I made it myself. I was like, wow, this is really cool. I would have never done that. That's Even awesome. just three months ago, I wouldn't have done it. And now I'm just like the big girl in the metal studio. <laughs> <That's> <laughs> <awesome>. <laughs> so you That's mentioned awesome. that, uh, what is the final product go, pro- project going to look like? Is, and you mentioned vi- three vignettes. And what form are they taking? Yeah. Yeah, so it's going to be 15 outfits Um, And so it's going to be, um, each outfit is going to be on a mannequin and it's going to be displayed with a little bit of information about who the the person was that inspired this outfit. Oh, wow. um, And what kind of information. Um, I'm hoping that we can have a little bit of a a publication, Mm -hmm. something small, um, because... That's a whole nother, <laughs> that could be a whole other thing. But just enough to be able to say, here's this person, you may not have heard their name, this is what they did, this is how they influenced, and here's some books that will help you learn more about them. Or here are the, here are the books that I learned, uh, uh, this is how I, I learned about these, these people. Um, and the exhibit is going to be downtown um, at the BNY Mellon, um, I guess, 
is that what it's called? The Steel Plaza kind of satellite yeah, it's, gallery? It's our satellite gallery that, yeah, BNY Mellon um, kind of gives to us to program. So, yeah. Nice. So it's kind of like as you're coming out of the T station, the subway station, and Steel Plaza, you'll... Oh that's one exit you could walk by. You'll be able to walk by and see it, which I'm really excited about because I want it to be seen by um, folks who may not necessarily be like, I want to go to a gallery. I want to go to a museum. Um, So I'm excited about it kind of taking, taking the craft to the people. That's That's what I love about that space. It's not like public art. Oh, go ahead, Camille. No, no, you're right. Like, that's just, you know, that's just what it is like taking the art to the people, you know, that not everybody is going to always even know where to go to go see art, artsy fartsy type stuff and whatnot. And it's just like, oh, hey, it's right here. Like, awesome. On my commute to and from. Exactly. <laughs> and this is exactly, like. This- exactly. And hopefully, like, hopefully every time they come through, they can stop and look at a different thing or read a different, a different bit of of information and what I've tried to do is pay attention to details so there's things that you'll see that are just very obviously here's this outfit but there may be a pin that's specific to something or a color on a button that's specific to a story or things like that so um, it's it's going to be even if you see it a few times there's going to always be something new to discover which I'm really excited about. Which, like, Taranae, this is no small feat. Like, this is not lost on me. What you basically just said, you are creating an entire collection of garments. Like, 15, like, wardrobe sets, essentially. Inspired and by you've people also from conducted, history. Yeah, like, <laughs> conducted an immense amount of history that you will also be presenting with this. Like, like wow. Bravo. <laughs> like, not, and not even just, I mean, I know you're not done yet, but dang like i am impressed <laughs> Just... thank you yeah well it's funny because my the my local librarian <laughs> i got the notice like we can we, we can't we we can't renew these anymore so could you... <laughs> and i was like i went in there like i was, like, I was ready to negotiate like okay look if i give you these five books can i keep these ten books and they're like actually if you want to we can we can like check them back out to you again. I'm like okay, because <laughs> I have a look at their face like I, just, I can't you can't take my books for me. <laughs> All right, you, you come in with like talking points. It's like okay, look, I have a presentation here. <laughs> Let me plead my case, and then you tell me what you can give me. <laughs> exactly. I'm, I'm, I'm like trying to negotiate, and it was like no, it's fine. You just have to check them out again. I'm like okay. <laughs> It was funny. Well, like, I mean, this is, yeah, again, this is no small feat. This is going to be amazing. I can't wait to see it. But you've also mm-hmm. done, like, a lot of other artworks and pieces. And, you know, not even to, me- not to mention your your relatively new found writing career, um, which, yeah. you know, congratulations on that, as well as the Thank winning you. the Golden Quill o- Award. Is that? Mm-hmm. Am, I, yeah. am I saying that properly? <laughs> Yeah, yeah. That's that's awesome. Like that's 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 so amazing. Like congratulations. But um, like of all the work that you've done to date, do you have one that you would consider to be the most rewarding for you? Let's exclude this one that you're doing now. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) You know, honestly, 
as much work as because we I started working with the Maasai women in 2013. In 2014, we did our first exhibit, and I remember I and we finished it in July. And I was and I remember saying we're you know working on getting the exhibit in Paris, and um, they asked me in I guess they asked me in December if I knew how to do that. And I said, no, but I'll figure it out. <laughs> and so it took a lot of back and forth, but we did have an exhibit in Paris for our wow. first collection in oh 2014, in July 2014, and that was amazing. But my favorite thing not related to this residency is the project, the solar project, the Atasa solar project, um, and seeing, seeing the women soldering um, we, you know, seeing them, seeing them when we installed the, the lights, um, having uh, Kilikoi Elizabeth, who is one of the main translators and a member of the group in Kenya, asked me to take a picture of her in her house. Um, and she said it's the first time someone's taken a picture of her in her house because it's been too dark. It's too dark. Oh, wow. They, they, um, the women are the architects of the community and they build the homes out of wood, mud, and, and cow dung. And it's a very traditional home, very beautiful, but just very um, basic. And there's a light, there's, there's, there's a hole for the smoke to come out of like the open fire, the open pit fire, but there aren't windows. Mm. Huh. Um, and so with the solar kit, you're able to have light bulbs in the in 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 their in their homes, wow. and just the the look on her. I guess just see her sitting there, smiling with the light on, you know, the yeah. solar light on. Um, and she said, um, "My kids are able to play outside at night for the first time um, because they're able to have that light, which provides not only light but also safety and security from predator animals." Yeah. Um, so yeah, I think just seeing that, seeing that 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 creation and 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 the culmination of the idea of taking indigenous design and incorporating into modern, contemporary, sustainable solutions. It just it, it, and it, it like beyond like almost sounding like an ad. It's <laughs> like it's act like seeing like really actually seeing people. Being able to turn on lights in the house right. when they never had that option before. You were, yeah, you're um, literally seeing the cha- the life changing events occur yep. in front of you, and that's, yep. yeah, it's hard yeah. to beat that. As you know, it as, really, as far it as really like rewarding. Is. Yeah, and they, and I, I'm not gonna be able to get, I'm not gonna be able to say it correctly, but there was um, a moment when they said, "Well, you know, we we never give you a Maasai name, but we'll give you a Maasai name that means light." Oh. Um, yeah. That's beautiful. So, that was really cool. Yeah. It's beautiful. Yeah. Yeah. Awesome. And I'm hoping, I, I really, I really, um, I got, I got Ashe Oling tattooed on me when I was there. Ashe Oling <laughs> means thank you very much at Kimasai. So I, oh, I got cool. that because I felt more, more, I felt more grateful than I did like light. <laughs> more, more than light. <laughs> That's fair. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's very beautiful. 
So Tarana, you talked a little about um, what brought you to like the sustainability aspect of your approach to things. Um, I'm curious though, like why, like why craft or maybe I should say like why design? What was it that led you to to fashion design and making garments in the first place versus anything else that you could have done? Yeah, it 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 was it took it took a long time because um, I went I went to Drexel undergrad for business and I worked in advertising for a while and and marketing and I actually came back to Pittsburgh in two thousand two to start working for a nonprofit but what I realized was that I wasn't getting there was something missing. And so um, I went home one night and I just did an inventory of my books. Um, I, I was obviously, as I said, I, did, <laughs> I love books. <laughs> um, and so I was like, well, what, like, what do I, what do I read about? Like, what, like, when I can choose to spend my time, what do I spend my time doing? And I read books about art. I read books about fashion. I read books about design. So that's when I decided I'm going to go to graduate school. I wanted to go overseas, and I needed someone else to pay for it. Um, and I got this fellowship, um, and because, but because I just realized, you know, I, I realized that if I looked at everyone around me that was working in the marketing field, there was no job that I wanted to work towards. Mm. I just wanted to get out. <laughs> and so it was more like, I need to find the thing that's going to fulfill my soul. Mm -hmm. um, and so that's when I decided to go to graduate school um, and, and, and study design and study fashion. But even within that, the fashion industry as it operates, I didn't want to join either. So I've always had a, been doing this weird kind of career in, in creativity where, um, you know, I'm an artist, a designer, craft person, artisan, I, 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 all those titles, I don't even know anymore. I know I had to, I had to sell myself as an artist in order to get grants. Right. <laughs> and now I'm not less interested in being called an artist. I guess the title doesn't bother me or doesn't matter to me as much as it used to. Now it's just like what like what work can I make and whatever title people want to call me, they can call me whatever they want. <laughs> artist, craft, maker, artisan, All right. whatever. Yeah, I mean as long as you're fulfilling <laughs> what you want to fulfill. Like you're you're getting that creativity out and you're fulfilling your soul and what it is you feel like you're you're made to be doing. Exactly. Yep. Well and I mean that's a bold and brave moment, right? I mean I think so many people sit there and take stock of like what am I doing every day and what do I care about and what would I love to be doing? But then they wake up the next morning and just keep doing the same thing. So, right. I mean, like, wow, way to go. Like you are, <laughs> yeah, you are like that, really that, doing it over to here. recognize that because I don't think I've ever even thought of it that way. I was like, okay, what books do, what do, what do I listen to? What do I read? What do I, you know, what am I constantly doing that's going to make me happy? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah, it's 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 not it's not. I will say it's not easy. It hasn't been easy, and I've definitely made less money 
doing this and I have my <laughs> entire adult life. But I'm also a lot happier. Like, I, I don't even know what I would have done if I had stayed working in those advertising agencies. I, I don't even know. Yeah. I would not, I would not be, it, it, it would not have gone well. I'd rather make less money than, and be happier than, than the, the road, the road I was on. Right. Yeah, exactly. And not wear any sort of like stress or strain on your person, you know, like, because you just because yes. I mean, I'm not trying to tell you that your life I'm not trying to say or allude that your life is stress free, but it's just like you have a lightness about you that a lot of people would not be able to a lot that you may not have had had you stayed in that corporate environment. <laughs> oh, for sure. For sure. There is a lot of rejecting of expectations or what is some uh, um Alice Walker, um, I've treaded away from respectability, I guess. <laughs> 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 way it works just like, okay, well, let me just do this my way. I'm not hurting anybody. I just don't want to do that that way. <laughs> right on. <laughs> well, do you have, have you um, come across in your travels and in your you know, findings of, of yourself and all of your artisans and art, artistry and all that stuff. Have you picked up any mentors along the way? Do you? Mm. You, you know, it's it's interesting. I have, I have, and because of because of the fact that what I do is a mix of design and I guess social enterprise and activism to some to to some degree in environmentalism i have mentors from different areas so i find it difficult to find fashion mentors in pittsburgh but i can find textile and fiber arts mentors which i have i have found scientists and science mentors because um like trying to understand the role of fashion and clothing and textiles and what kind of and how the and how my environmentalism can be better um, engaged so that I'm doing what I'm doing in a better way. So scientists are also part of that and writers are part of that. Um, and some of the elder artists and fine artists that aren't necessarily involved in textile or fiber arts, but who are creating art and exhibiting art and have over decades. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, so those, those kinds of things, um, because I, in the same way that I'm really interested in bridge, create in building bridges among people and creating connections among people who heretofore may not have been connected. Um, I'm really interested in multidisciplinary kind of cross germination and the mashups and the mixtapes that you're like, Oh, I didn't think that song could go with that song. Oh, okay. That sounds cool. And that's kind of the way that I like to create, like, well, I never saw those two things go together. Um, so, and I, and my dream is like, yeah, my dream is having like a multidisciplinary, I don't know, firm that just goes about solving problems in the world, whether it's environmental or economic <laughs> or design, just be like, we have this architect and this writer and this designer and they put together, this This is the most, like this This would be a, a cool way to uh, light right. the street or this would be a really interesting bike. So um, like the Olivia Pope, the Olivia, I don't know. The Olivia like, Pope of environmental issues, is that... <laughs> 
Yeah. So just like everything, like, you know, we can style your outfit for the Grammy. Like, we can, do, we, we can record you, like, we can do your video. Like, I don't know. Just kind of just like, like the Avengers, but like design and art and like. Right on. Yeah. No, no weapons. No, <laughs> just like, I mean, you know, pencils and pens and the, French codes. The business plan writes itself, Terrene. Like, especially when you just throw it as like you know the avengers <laughs> like something like the avengers like that's <laughs> and you come in with their designers <laughs> what problem do you need solved <laughs> exactly <laughs> and you are the nick fury um, so. <laughs> so you mentioned, yeah, yeah, mentioned yeah. mixtapes and that brings us to our um our our standard question here that we'd like to ask our artists and um, what are the three songs that you would say describe your work? I mean, this is the hardest question anyone's ever asked me. I was like, and I love music. I listen to it all day when I'm working. Um, so the first song I could think of was Ladies First by Queen, Queen Latifah. Nice. Yeah. <laughs> because I tend to center women artisans, and um, I feel that... Um, by in, by, I don't want to say empowering women, but um, by us remembering our power and being mm. allowed to be fully engaged in every aspect of society, um, the world would be a better place. Right um, and the, I also thought of the song "Final Form" by Sampa the Great, who's a South African rapper MC. She's mm. one of my favorites. Um, and "Final Form" is just a very kind of love letter very up very to me it's not it's like a love letter to the african diaspora mm -hmm. um very like this is like an anthem like when when i get my design adventures together that's going to be like the song that we come out to nice. <laughs> you know <laughs> Bio here we go. and then um <laughs> I love that you said that we come out to because like I don't know if either we know Tom Baker but like he always he's like what's your walkout song like, every time I'm involved in anything with him I was like every time I see Tom I'm like all right what's my walkout song <laughs> <laughs> my bat I'm swinging my bat like Willie Stargell this song's playing um, and the only other song it's not even it's not accurate to what my work is now but it's what I would like it to be. And that would be Mr. Rogers' song, I Like to Take My Time. <laughs> now, if that is not a clear representation, those three songs of what you were just been talking about, of just like how you've just got this whole, like how your entire career is just like, it's under everything under the umbrella of Terrine. And it's just, you know, like all these separate things, <laughs> but they all work it together. It actually does. I haven't thought about that. It does work. And I and that's I sing that song to myself when I'm when I'm making a mistake oh. and I have to back up. It's like take your time and do it right, Terry, just like Mr. Rogers said. <laughs> if anyone could hear me here, they would hear me sing it at least once a week. Take and your time to do it right. And that's also true to, you know, your your love of Pittsburgh. Like, that's like the, a true mm -hmm. Pittsburgh form there. You know, Mr. Rogers. <laughs> just going like, to slide right in. You got to represent the oh. man, Mr. Rogers. Well, my God, this has been a delight. Um, 
<laughs> this has been informative. And as always, like, I just, I enjoy chatting with you, Tarane. Oh, yeah, I agree. It was so nice. I feel like we covered a lot of ground. And also, I feel like I smiled more in the last 45 minutes than all week. Right. So. Thank you. <laughs> Thank you. No, if, I appreciate if, that. It's fun. It's nice like, to laugh uh, about it. Yeah. Because I'm going to be going back to the chain now, <laughs> and I might start crying. Well, if you'd like to shout out anything about, you know, anything else coming up or where people can find you online, if you want that. Um, and uh, yeah, now's the, t- now's the time. Okay, cool. Yeah, I'm on uh, Instagram. It's Adia Fashion, which is I D I A. D-E-G-A, fashion spelled out, and Terene Idea, T-E-R-E-N-E-H-I-D-I-A, um, also Instagram, and the website is Adia Dega, that has, that has all of our collections, the solo work, the collaboration, and also information about the um, Atasa Solar, um, the solar project within the site. And hopefully this solar project will be coming to Pittsburgh next year. <laughs> Excellent. Excellent. Thank you so much, Terene. Um, It was a pleasure. Um, And just for anyone listening on the next episode of Sounds from the Studio, we'll be talking with Missy Graf Ballone, who is a metals artist and author of the book Wellness for Makers. Using her background as an artist, yoga instructor, and massage therapist, Missy seeks to bridge the gap between wellness and artist studio practice. So thanks for listening, everyone. And until next time, we will see you again. Well, I guess we'll talk with you again. (laughs) Thank you. Thank you.